What a cheerful little intro that is. Yeah. And a big welcome to Kimberly Earle and Daniel Carrington for Pet Shop. You guys are old hands at this. I'm just, I'm just the new puppy on the block here. <laughs> well, you're doing really well and we'll guide you through it. Thank How's you, Danny. That? Yes. In a pet way. We'll bark when you're doing well. <laughs> I'm not going to bark, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Only a pet shop boy could say that. <laughs> I just I just looked up Pet Shop Boys. I don't know that we've got any of their music, but I need to find some so that we can okay. have a little yeah, bit. That would be good. It's, it's good music. Yes, it is. Today, for Pet Chat, we're, of course, taking people's calls, first and foremost. 49216216, that's the phone number if you'd like to call in and pick the brains of our experts today. Also, we're talking about Snuggles the Rescue Cat, and I'm guessing that you guys have got a load of other things that you want to mention. Mm-hmm. If we get a chance, we'll have a little bit of a talk about arthritis in our pets because we're coming into winter and we're starting to see some stiff and sore pets. Okay. And I've got a great interview with a breeder who breeds Australian cattle dogs. Now, they're a good popular Aussie dog, so we'll talk about what it's like to own an Australian cattle dog. Oh, excellent. Kimberly, just before we went to where you were commenting on the state of origin, mm-hmm. saying that you had your telly up and running, <laughs> ready for it, and you're very, very <laughs> excited. Now, of course, you have a wonderful accent, uh, and I'm... What is your state of actual my, origin? My state of origin. My state of origin is Canada, British Columbia, Canada. British BC. But I'm Australian now, so my state of origin is definitely blue. <laughs> it is blue, is it? Yes. I just wanted to iron that out. Daniel, are you sort of, uh, you know, a big state of origin fan, or do you? Oh uh, no, I wouldn't put myself as a big state of origin fan. But if I was to go for a team, blues. 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 All right, then you heard it here first. Paul Rivera and the Raiders, just like me, Australian cattle dogs, aren't they keepers? They're awesome. We're going to find out about breeding them in just a moment when our very own pet shop boy, I hope he doesn't mind me calling him that, I've turned his microphone down so he cannot object, Daniel Carrington, will be chatting to someone about the very best blue cattle dog you can get. Daniel's from Pet Shop Boys and we're going to uh, pick up on a conversation about Australian blue cattle dogs. Thank you, Meryl. On the line, we've got Belinda Carter. Welcome to the show, Belinda. Hi, how are you? Hi. Look, um, you're a breeder of Australian cattle dogs, and one thing, it's state of origin time here, as you know, uh, one thing that uh, struck me is that you actually bred the cattle dog that's used as the mascot for the Queensland Reds Rugby Union team. How'd you score that? We did. So my friend and I breed the cattle dogs, and I have a, a dog training friend up in Queensland, and, and they contacted us looking for a blue cattle dog puppy, and we told them they come in red as well, and maybe that would suit the team a little bit better. So they've got Red Dog up there now. He's almost 18 months old, and he attends all the games, and yet he's going really, really well. Oh, fantastic. That's so fun. So much fun. That's good. Now, Belinda, I guess let's go to some of the standard questions we we ask in when we're interviewing breeders. For someone who doesn't know, what does the cattle Australian cattle dog look like? They're a medium-sized breed. They're quite uh, muscular. Um, you mainly think of working dogs with kelpies and border collies. These guys are a little bit... Um, thicker, you could say, mm-hmm. <laughs> a bit more broader, um, and they come in red or blue. Uh, sometimes they have patches on their head, uh, like masks um, or an eye patch. Yes. Um, yeah, and they generally have a, a fairly, not a fluffy tail, but like a, a fair bit of hair on their tail as well. Uh, height-wise, how, how big are they? Uh, probably up to your knees. Okay. So, you know, their back probably finishes near your knees, so yeah, they're, they're, they're a handy height to have. Now, what... What were they bred for originally? 
Uh, they were used when the early settlers came out to Australia because they couldn't quite find a dog tough enough to handle the scrub cattle. So with a wide open space, a lot of the cattle were not handled as much as they would have been in Europe. So they had a little bit more attitude. They needed a dog which could handle fairly wild cattle in open spaces, and that's how they developed the cattle dog. Okay. So, What did they cross? I'm just curious. But What did they actually cross to get the dog that we have today? I mean, obviously it was a long time ago. Sorry, Belinda, I'm just chiming in because I'm curious. It's all, I mean, it's still up for debate because we you know early records, but essentially there's a dingo in there, uh, Kelpie. Um, early Scottish herding dogs that came out from Europe, there's none of them around anymore, but probably a bit more like a Border Collie-style dog. Uh, and then there's a bit of debate, did they put Dalmatian and also Bull Terrier in them? So the Dalmatian, they say they put in so that they loved horses, so they'd round up the cattle but not the horses. And the Bull Terrier, just to give them that little bit extra grunt with a, with a bit of a handful of a bull. <laughs> I do always find it fascinating to learn about the breeds like that and what they originated from and to, in, in an order, in a way to help human society. And dogs throughout history have helped humans get, get to where we are now, haven't they, Belinda? Oh, definitely. Um, we wouldn't have been able to round up, you know, and there's still a lot of cattle dogs up in the Northern Territory being used with all the, the Brahmins up there. You know, and they're roaming 10,000-acre properties. They don't see humans all the time. So the dogs really greatly assist with, with rounding up that cattle. If someone was interested in, in getting an Australian cattle dog as a pet, um, what, I guess, uh, what type of family would it be suited to? What do they need to look into? And if there's any health issues they need to be aware of? They are a tough breed. I mean, they're bred to, you know, take on a, you know, we see the police dogs take on offenders. Well, they're taking on an 80 kilo man. These dogs are bred to take on an 800 kilo bull. So they do have a, a bit of attitude about them. Um, but, you know, as long as you provide leadership and lots of exercise and mental stimulation, they can suit most people. Um, as long as you check the parents when you go to look at a puppy, and that's why going to a, like a registered, you know, reputable breeder is good because you can at least see the mother and see that if that's the personality you'd like to live with because she'll most likely throw that to her puppies. Um, health-wise, they can sometimes uh, suffer from deafness, but that's something that, you know, that... You know, there's testing that you can get done to ensure that they're not deaf or, or partly deaf. Um, and there's also some eye issues in the breed. But again, if you, you know, talk to a reputable breeder, they'll be able to show that the parents are not producing puppies, which, are, which have that problem. How easy are they to, to train and to be good, well-behaved dogs? They're very easy to train. They just need someone who is a... Um, you can't negotiate with them. You have to be a little bit, these are the rules, and, you know, as long as you do the rules. I know, you know what you're talking about because why Moranas are the same. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, you know, these guys are a little bit different to some herding breeds. You'll see border collies, which, you know, they're constantly given whistles and all that and told what to do, whereas a cattle dog is sent out into the scrub to make the decision for himself. So you need to say to your cattle dog, yeah, we're best mates, but I make all the decisions. So... And you've had a lot of experience with uh, not only the breeding but the, the training of dogs. And in some of the things that you've done, you've uh, titled dogs for duck herding. How would you yeah, go about? Yeah. How would you go about well, training a dog for that? Well, I started off doing the sheep herding. It was easier to find sheep around my place <laughs> than cattle. And then people are saying, "Well, you can't work a cattle dog on sheep." So I thought, "Well, we'll go and win on ducks." And then, <laughs> which we did. We went down to Victoria and got highest scoring dog across all herding breeds in a duck trial. So again, it's just um, I call uh, what I say goes. So if you know, I say 
enough, you know, we're finished herding now or I want you to go left or I want you to go right. My dogs listen to me. And, and yeah, and they come from their parents all like to round up things. They don't necessarily like to chase things. So yeah, it's been quite easy doing the duck herding with them. Belinda, can you give me an example? Because in my mind, I just want to scream, come behind you, bugger. But, you know, <laughs> it, they probably don't train them like that anymore. Just come on, give me your best training call. Oh, oh, probably get out. Give <laughs> the stock some more space. Cattle dogs like to get up close and personal. You know, so sheep generally like a little bit more breathing space. So for my dogs, it's... Yeah, give the, give the animals a bit more breathing room. <laughs> Has there been ever a funny or a special moment that you'll remember forever that, that you've shared with your cattle dog? Oh, there's a lot. I do a lot of um, TV and commercial work with mine, and there's always funny. That They've got the best sense of humour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they are really comical. I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head. Um, well... I'm trying to think. There's just always something funny. Bl- um, that they're always... Um, bringing everyone sticks, bringing everyone presents. Um. I guess the thing to take home from them is, is, is they are a good pet, they are smart, intelligent, and you do need to exercise them because they've got a lot of energy too. They do, they yeah. do, and, and they like mental. They just like to be with you, so you don't necessarily have to run them twenty kilometres a day, but they would like to hang out with you at least. So. Belinda, thank you very much for your time. It was great to talk to you, and I'm sure we'll catch up another time. Perfect. Thank you. There we have it. Blue cattle dog breeder, Belinda... Carter. Carter. Sorry, Belinda, I'd forgotten your last name. I was still all wrapped up in uh, Come Beyond and all the other calls that you can do. What a great thing. Sounds like she's got some awesome dogs. I know. There. It is. And um, she's done a lot of behavioural training work. And as she said, she's she's done commercials with her dogs as well. So really good person to talk to for next, that breed. Next time you see a, a blue cattle dog on a commercial be able to say, I think I know the lady who trained that dog. Mm. Dr. Kimberly Earl joining us to take your calls. And Henry from Belmont wants to talk about something he's read in the paper. Welcome, Henry. How are you? Hi, Henry. How are you doing? Good, good, good. This is just something I picked up in the paper on Saturday. Okay. Uh, You, that's E-W-E, must be joking, Farmer Ken. That's the headlines, right? Uh, Okay. New South Wales Farmer Ken Turner didn't know you could offend sheep with rude words. I've heard about this. <laughs> that was until the RSPCA came knocking on the door of his station outside Broken Hill. <laughs> yes. Acting on a tip-off, his shearers were swearing at his flock. Apparently, the rude words were distressing the herd. And none of them actually told me they were <laughs> offended bemused that Mr Turner told Macquarie Radio Friday the complaint lodged by people for the ethical treatment of animals Peter, yep. assumed sheep could be least understanding English he said, I still haven't had a sheep come to me to complain they didn't even look offended to me uh, after they were born, Sean, sorry, after they were Sean. <laughs> the case has been dropped, but Mr Turner said he was annoyed that the complaint took resources away from the RSPCA. Mm, yeah, I did I hear about this. this. Was a joke. No, it wasn't a Do joke. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, that was in the paper on Saturday. So. Yeah, I, I heard about that, Henry. I heard that um, 
Peter, um, Peter is an organization that, um, you know, is, is uh, claimed to be for the ethical treatment of animals. And I believe one of their, um, sort of things that animals are, you know, completely sentient beings and things. So, um, I gather they felt that the sheep themselves would be offended by the, uh, by the <clears throat> words being said by the shearers. So, um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it's Kimberly. Funny. It's, it, that just takes the cake. Good on you, on you, Henry. Thank you so much for the call. I actually read it and someone showed me that story as well. And I thought, uh, I tell you what, if sheep are going to start suing shearers, uh, there's probably a fair bit more they'll be suing them for rather than rather swearing. Rather than the swearing. Yes. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, good on you. Okay. Jan from Mount Vincent. Hello and welcome, Jan. Hello. How are you? Hi, we're good, Jan. I've got a problem with my puppy. She's biting herself all the time. She's biting um, herself? Sorry? She's biting herself? Yes. Okay. And scratching. Right. Okay. So how old is your puppy and what kind of puppy is she? She's sort of, well, she's supposed to be Maltese, she's Itsu, but I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> and how old is she, Jan? She's about four. Four years or four months? Four years. Oh, four. So she's, okay, so she's a dog. That's fine. Um, listen, there, there's lots of reasons for biting and chewing at yourself. So the really first thing to do is to make sure that your flea control is impeccable, Jan. Um, there's a lot of fleas around our area, even through winter. They never go away. Um, there are some of the older products on the market that don't work very well anymore. So you want to make sure that you're using a really good systemic product, not a collar. We want to have a systemic product, ideally something that you're putting on the top um, of the of the back, like sort of the top of the neck, um, or something that's going orally. And there's a few really fantastic new oral once a month tablets or even once every three months tablets that you can give your pet. Um, make sure that your, you know, your flea control is impeccable because fleas will cause a lot of itchy skin. If that's not helping, then there can be a lot of other issues. So if she's been scratching a lot, she may have traumatized her skin and she may have a secondary bacterial infection on the skin now. And nothing we do short of some antibiotics, um, you know, is potentially going to clear that up. Um, we see a lot of dogs that have allergies and sometimes they'll need some, some relief with some antihistamines or anti-inflammatories as well. But we certainly wouldn't recommend doing any of that without seeing your local vet. So on your own, you can certainly do the flea products. You can get a nice soothing bath and shampoo her. Um, but if it's not clearing up, you know, in a fairly short period of time, you need to go up to your local vet, make sure that there's nothing that she needs a, a prescription medication for. Right. Well, she doesn't have any fleas, and I do use that front line on her. Yep. Or that other one, yep. um, the expensive one. Okay. Um, but she's got a little lump on her. Okay. You know, little lumps sort of yep. coming on her. Yeah, yeah. So definitely something probably worthwhile checking out. Um, and we've got to remember that some itchy dogs are itchy um, not because they have fleas crawling on their skin, but because they have a flea allergy. So in those dogs, a single flea bite can set off a really nasty inflammatory cascade in their body that can last a long time. Um, and so, again, you know, just making sure that, that we've got that impeccable flea control. But it sounds like if she's got some lumps on her skin, there could be something else going on. So worthwhile having her looked at. Good on you, Jan. Thanks so much for the call. Thank you. Thanks. Pet Chat, 49216216. If you'd like to give us a call, we'd love to take your call. And you can have a chat with Kimberly Earle about your pet. Kimberly, what other things have we got on the agenda today to discuss? And it's interesting that you mentioned fleas. Mm -hmm. With so much wet weather, yeah. is that 
a precursor for more fleas and ticks? Um, it can be. So certainly in, in the height of our tick season, we often see ticks get worse after, you know, a, a bout of wet weather. Um, this is not our high tick season, but in the Newcastle area, we can see ticks year round. So we mm. really want to make sure that everybody's got their pets covered year round. Um, the, the sort of high seasons are September to March probably, but even now we can still see them and the wet weather certainly can promote some of that. Um, and fleas as well. So, you know, fleas ideal environment is sort of warm, humid, moist areas. And so when you get a lot of rain, um, then they tend to sort of migrate into sort of the warmer areas. So inside your house, we've got the heater turned on. Ooh. Humidity, the humidity in my house is quite high at the moment because I am a bit wimpy. I turn the heater on in the house. <laughs> the windows are all steamed up. Um, so, you know, that's certainly a prime area for fleas to come out. And we, again, see fleas year round um, in Newcastle. Yeah. So with the products you were describing mm-hmm. now, the new generation of products, yeah. is it still necessary to sort of treat the bedding and things as well? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just curious about that. Yeah. So the trouble with fleas is that um, fleas have a, a life cycle where a lot of the life cycle is off of the dog or the cat that you're treating. Um, and they lay eggs and the legs, egg, legs, the eggs are pretty strong and they can lie dormant in the environment for between four and six months in some cases. Wow. And so there's nothing. You can pay the most expensive pest controller to come in and spray your house. But if you've got a heavy um, lay down or heavy burden of flea eggs in your environment, there's nothing you can do except for wait, wait for all of those to hatch out. So you can certainly reduce the incidence by just flushing away. So washing all the bedding, you know, vacuuming your carpets frequently, things like that. Um, but you just have to wait out the life cycle, wait for those fleas to hatch. So if we do find, you know, pets that have fleas on them, we always have to have a discussion with the owners about the fact that it's not just what we see on the pet. In fact, that's the tip of the iceberg. They estimate every flea on the dog, there's a hundred in the environment. Okay. So it's quite a lot. So we need to protect the dog. We need to get them on a really good systemic um, flea product. And then we need to treat the environment, sure, but we're going to need to wait it out. You can't rush getting rid of it. It's always going to take that four to six month period of time. So the pets need to be covered during that entire time, which is why it's just so much better and easier to have them on a flea control product year round so you don't get that infestation in your home. Prevention really is the best Absolutely. cure by the sound yeah. of it. And there's some really good new products. There's one um, that's, you know, it's a single tablet that you give every three months. That's four doses a year and that's going to give you complete flea and tick prevention. Oh, so sounds excellent. Yeah. 17 to 1. It's Pet Chat for our sponsor, Pet Shop Boys. The telephone number, if you'd like to call and have a chat to Kimberly, why not? It's such a great opportunity to pick the brain of a vet and say, oh, what do you reckon about this? In fact, I might have to think of some things for my little Gatsby. He's a great, great Dane. Gatsby the Great Dane. Gatsby the Great Dane. I yeah. love Great Danes. We see a lot of them in our practice. So yeah, he's, he's fun. Actually, he's a funny dog. He's big and buffy, but he does get nervous. Mm, Do you yeah. see that in Danes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a lovely dog and he's very yeah. friendly. But if someone new comes to the house, he's like, oh, I really like you and I want to run up and, you know, say hello, but oh, I'm not so sure a as well. A little timid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not uncommon. Yeah, very mm. interesting. Oh, thank you for that. There's one consult down. <laughs> Pet Chat to NURFM. Let's take a look at the community service announcement for elders. This is something that is most pertinent to what we're talking about. Joanne Hawkins runs a cat refuge. For more than 17 years, she has been adopting lame, old or abandoned cats and the recent storm left her purpose-built backyard enclosure in ruins. She also rescues 
pigs, rabbits and guinea pigs. All expenses are paid by her and she finds all of those animals new homes. If you would like to donate, you can do so at the Dora Creek Pharmacy or you can also do so at Morissette Veterinary Hospital. If you want to drop in uh, food donations even, they would love you to do that and you can do that at Morissette Veterinary Hospital. That's at 210 Freeman's Drive, Morissette. So obviously uh, Lynette has the endorsement of those two organisations which are reputable. Give it some thought. If you can help out, I'm sure she would greatly appreciate that. And you can give Lynette a call and have a chat to her and ask her what she needs. Jenny from Lambton, hello and welcome. Hello, how are you? Thanks, Jenny. What can we help you with? Uh, I've just gotten a beautiful little British bulldog. He's 12 weeks old Mm -hmm. and we've totally fallen in love with him, but I've got two problems. Okay. Um, They're not allowed to use steps at all, is that correct? Sorry, they're not allowed to use? Stairs. Stairs, okay, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I wouldn't say they're not allowed to use stairs, but we certainly want to minimize the use of stairs in some of these dogs. Um, we do it with, with large and giant breed dogs as well because we just don't want them putting too much pressure on their, um, particularly the joints of their hips. So, yep. you know, if you've got one or two stairs, um, you know, out the back step, things like that, that's not going to be a major drama. Um, we do want to avoid them trying to fall yeah, down. Yeah, three steps for him to get down and, and you do a wee on the grass. Yeah. So that, yeah. Like, I don't think that's going to be a major crisis. We want to try to yeah. avoid, um, you know, him falling down the steps. Um, yeah. And sometimes puppies, you know, when they're really excited, they'll sort of start at the top and they do a running leap off onto the grass, and that's not yeah. ideal. Um, yeah. But So just minimizing the use of steps as much as you can. Uh, it's not as bad in, in Australia as it is in North America where all of our houses have basements, and you have to go, like, down many, many steps down to get down into your basement. So um, yeah. two or three steps isn't going to be a major drama, I don't think. And what excellent, was, what was your other question? And one other quick question. The, um, hot, the raw food versus cooked food. He's come to us on a diet of raw mint. Oh, uh, yes, okay. Uh, um, and the vet did say to me that it's yeah. not a good idea. No. So I've got him on it to transition him into yep. our home. Good. Um, but then I think I'll, I'm think, leaning towards dry food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, I think if you, if you talk to the majority of vets and vet nurses in the world, we all feed our dog a good quality dry puppy food. Um, there, there's a lot of debate about raw versus cooked. Um, the only thing my dog's really ever eaten is a good quality dry puppy food. Um, you definitely want to make it a puppy food, and the better the quality, the better it is for the dog. Um, but, you know, do a nice gradual transition over five to seven days, and that's, that's going to set your pup up really well. Over how long, the five, transition? Five to seven days. Oh, great, yeah. great. We're nearly there then. Yeah. Good. <laughs> okay. I'm dealing with the raw mint. It's not yeah. good. No, that's right. Okay. Good luck, Jenny. Thank you very much. You're Appreciate welcome. It. Thank Bye. you, Jen. I can just imagine Jenny carrying the bulldog down the three steps to uh, to do little wee-wee time. Yes, very good. That's that's the adoration that happens when you get a puppy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Kerry, welcome. You've got, you're from Greta and you've got a, a problem with the eyes of your dog. Yeah, um, I'm just wondering whether dogs can actually get entropia, like uh, young foals that are just born. I've had a lot of dealings with foals in my life that have entropia, and over a couple of days, sometimes the eyelids roll back out, sometimes they have to have um, actual treatment for them to stay out. They they absolutely can. Yeah, they absolutely can. 
What okay. is entropia? So entropian is a, a rolling inwards of the eyelids, and they can be um, congenital. So we can see it in puppies from a very young age. Kittens can get them as well. Um, they can also get worse if there's something else going on with the eyes and you get some eyelid swelling, and sometimes they'll roll inwards a little bit as well. Um, but we do see lots of problems because as the eyelid rolls inwards, then we sometimes get hair from the um, uh, outer surface of the eyelid touching the cornea of the eye and then can cause um, ulceration and, um, and chronic keratitis, things like that, yeah. Okay, well I, I adopted a dog from the um, pound at Rutherford uh, a couple of months ago. He's yep. 15 months old, a staffy cross, mm-hmm. and I, I've noticed that um, he's, he's always continually through the day, there's always sort of a little bit of gunk there, like yep. he's got a black head, yep. um, and I always see a little bit of gunk in the corner, and I'm mm-hmm. forever wiping his his eyes right and I, I had a look the other day and it actually looks to me as though his bottom eyelid just rolled in and I thought this is this something that they have mm. withhold they're like when they're born yeah. and you know you do something with it within the first few days to yeah. correct it but he's like 15 months old yeah. should I have a vet have a look at him and I, see I would I would because yeah. there could be some keratitis from another reason happening there that's causing a bit of lower eyelid swelling um, that could be causing or, or upper eyelid swelling that's causing a bit of problem it's unusual for them to develop it as adults so usually we see it in young yeah. dogs and it causes problems from early on. So if it's a new yep. problem, definitely worthwhile having your vet check it out. Right. Okay, then. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Kerry. Bye. It's Pet Chat. Dr. Kimberly Earl, that's a very interesting one, Kimberly. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us today. We'll, you're welcome. We'll see you. You're on the rotor for next time in a couple of weeks, I should imagine. Yeah, yeah, another few weeks, I think. Um, I think we've got Cat of the Week to do. Oh, we better, yeah, we we better do snuggles. We've got, actually, just a couple of minutes. Let's talk about snuggles. Snuggles, yes. I don't usually get this job. It's usually Danny's job, but, um, he's ducked out a couple of minutes early today. So we have Cat of the Week, which is Snuggles this week. And Snuggles is a handsome six month old grey and white kitten. Mm. Um, and he's apparently got very stunning eyes. I haven't seen the photo of him yet, but, um, sounds lovely. He loves to snuggle, as his name suggests. And he gets along really well with, um, other cats and a dog where he is in care. He says he's very laid back and relaxed and he really likes to have human smooches suit a range of households. So it looks like he's um, he's a, a pretty easygoing cat that would fit a lot of different households. He's already desexed, microchip vaccinated. He's had flea and worm treatment. He's all up to date with everything. Um, and for further information, we can call Anita on 0400-107-603. And I think he's on the community pages at Pet Chat, so 2NURFM. Pet Chat. Yes, he is. Go to our website, 2NURFM. Have a look at the community section and you'll be able to see Snuggles. You could have a snuggle with Snuggles. Kimberly, thank you. You're very welcome. It's been fun. Thank you. See you next time when we do Pet Chat. We'll do it all again next week for our sponsor, the Pet Shop Boys. And uh, just checking the weather for our sponsor this afternoon. Snap Freeze Air Conditioning, your Dakin Air Conditioning Service. Partly cloudy, light winds today, temperatures between 18 and 21. Looking ahead, partly cloudy tomorrow with a little fog, temperatures between 19 and 22. Friday, cloudy, chance of a shower, most likely in the morning and the afternoon. The winds on Friday, northwesterly at 20 kilometres an hour. They'll ease off throughout the evening. And the temperature for Friday, between 17 and 21, a little cooler. The good news, drum roll, is that Saturday is going to be mostly sunny. There'll be a little bit of fog about the upper hunter. Coming up next hour, the one and only Greg Ritchie will be taking you through the afternoon. And I'll catch you tomorrow. We're talking about the post office and we're talking to the Newcastle Lord Mayor, Nuatali Nelms.